In the book of Joshua, there's a message that runs throughout the entire book from the first chapter to the last. In this book, there's a simple and yet very profound message, a, a theme that can seem very small. And yet for us as Christians, we hold our entire hope upon it. We hold our joy, our everything upon this one message that runs throughout the entire book of Joshua. And it's this, that God is faithful and that he keeps his promises. For us, as, as difficult as life may be, our hope comes from the promises of God. We believe that God desires to give good gifts to his children. We believe that in all things, that God is able to work for the good of those who are called according to his purpose. We believe that even when things are bad, God is able and willing to use them for our very good. We believe that. And we hold on to those promises. And that is what is able to help us get through each and every day because God has promised us those things as his very own children. Now, I don't think that's the hard part for us to really understand. Because what I think is difficult for many of us to grasp on is not the promises of God, but that his plans may be different than our plans. That the way that he is able to fulfill those promises, that the way that he is able to bring those blessings, that the way that he is able to bring that victory, it may not be in the same way that we desire that maybe his ways are different than our ways. You see, the Bible is so clear about this. And God reiterates it again and again. Church, lean not on your own understanding. But in all your ways, submit to him. And God will make your path straight. There is only one plan. That will bring victory and fruition in your life. There's only one plan that will bring true blessing in your life. True contentment and, and true joy in your life. And it is not going to be your plan. It is only God's plan for your life. And so the question becomes not are you going to trust in God's promises. It is are you willing to submit to his plan in complete obedience. See, there is no clearer example of this than the conquest of Jericho. For many of us, there's, there's one thing that we know about the city, that even if you've flunked Sunday school, even if you've barely gone to church, there's one thing that you know about Jericho, and it's that it is surrounded by some big walls, right? Archaeological evidence suggests that these walls stood over 15 feet tall. And you see, this city is so strategically placed that the people of Israel, they cannot take over the promised land until they first conquer Jericho. That for them to hold on to the promises of God, to fulfill what God has promised, they must first go through this city of Jericho that is well fortified, that has big walls, that has a great military presence. But even through all of that, 
Joshua was not dismayed. In fact, for Joshua, what we see is that he was confident that he was going to take it. And there's just really one simple reason why. It's because in verse 2, God promises Joshua victory. I will hand this city over to you. However, church, I want you to know this one thing. That even though God promises victory to the Israelites, that even though blessing is assured for them, it was contingent on one thing, their obedience to him. God was teaching them a valuable lesson. That no matter how strange it may seem, no matter how painful it may be, no matter how backwards his plan may be to them, he is asking them that what will bring you victory is your complete obedience to me. Church, do you believe that? Do you trust that within your own life? That no matter how strange God's plan may be, no matter how strange the words of the Bible may seem in this world, are you willing to trust in God's divinely inspired plan for your life more than your own judgment, more than what your friends say, more than what your family says to you? Because as Christians, this is our one call. That God has promised us victory. He has promised us these blessings. He has promised us these things. That the walls will come tumbling down. But it is contingent on our obedience to him. And so there's a couple lessons that God teaches the Israelites. I just want to go through a couple of them with you. The first lesson God teaches is that obedience requires commitment. You see, from the very beginning, God, he tells the people of Israel his plan for them. He tells them his plan for the city. The plan, it goes like this. I, I need you to get up every day for six days and uh, take a lap around Jericho uh, quietly. And, and on the seventh day, I want you to take six laps around Jericho with your mouth shut and and, but on the last lap, on the seventh lap, after you complete it, I want you to shout from the top of your voice and give me praise and give me glory and watch as I tear down these walls. Do you hear that? Let me say that one more time. For, for six days, I want you to go around the city. Don't say a single word. On the seventh day, I want you to take six laps. Don't say anything. But on the last lap, I want you to shout from the top of your lungs, give me praise, give me glory, and watch as I tear down these walls. You see, church, I want you to know that there is power in praise. It is a beautiful thing. One lesson that we see again and again in the Bible is that there is something that happens in our lives when we make a decision to give God glory. That when we wake up and the first thing we do is pray to the Lord and say, God, I will, I will give you all the praise. I will give you all the glory. God, I, I praise you. There is something that changes in your life. Giving God glory, giving God praise is, something, is, is a beautiful thing. It changes you. It changes other people. That is a, such a good and powerful thing. There's power in praise. 
But to preach only on the power of praise is to miss the depth of the lesson that God is trying to teach here. I want you to know that, look, what, what I think God is trying to say here is that if we shout praises to God on Sunday but don't have a transformed life on Monday, then that means nothing. That when we shout praises to the Lord and say, God, you are so good, you have done so much to me, and yet we walk in complete disobedience to the Lord on Monday, how is that ever giving praise to God? How is God ever going to accept that? How is God ever going to bring victory in our lives for that? You see, the lesson that God is trying to teach the Israelites here is that, yes, praise is critical, but it is not the only component of a Christian life. Praise is good. It's needed. It's important. It's mandatory. But don't forget that obedience comes before. Church, I want you to know that you cannot measure your Christianity by your praise. You know, as I was reading this, I kept thinking, look, if God just wanted to teach them to praise, then what, he would have just had them walk around the city one time, give a shout of praise, and then the walls would have come tumbling down, right? But we see that's, that's not the strategy. Instead, he makes them walk around the city 12 times before anything happens in complete silence not knowing what was going to happen, just, just walking and walking and walking. See, why would God make them keep walking every single day when he could have conquered it the very first day? Well, you know, scholars, some of them say that maybe God wanted uh, the Israelites to survey the walls. Right, to, to go around and, and walk around and just to do some reconnaissance to make sure that maybe there are some weakness, weak spots or to see maybe if there was something penetrable within, within the walls, right? But you see, that doesn't really make sense because after about one or two laps, I think that the, you know, the people can kind of tell that it was going to be pretty impossible for them. That I think after maybe one or, or two laps at most, they would be able to kind of look at the wall and say, yeah, um, this ain't happening, right? I, I don't think that I can really climb this thing. I, I don't think that anything is really going to happen. I think after maybe one or two laps, they would say, okay, I know that I'm not going to be able to do this on my own. It doesn't take 12 laps to learn all of that. And yet God tells them to keep walking. But church, maybe that's why God commands them so many laps. Because maybe he's saying, I need you to continue to obey me even when it looks impossible to you. That maybe I need you to continue to stay faithful to me even though you know in your own power it's not going to happen. And so as you continue to walk and as you continue to see how impossible it may seem to you, I want you to just trust in me. I need you to obey even when it doesn't make sense. I need you to obey even when all the odds are stacked against you. Obey me and I will see you through. Obey me and I will give you victory.
You see, one of the signs of a transformed life is when you have the courage to obey the word of God, even when it doesn't make sense to you. It's when you're willing to show up and do the work, even when you don't feel it and even when it's hard. Look, church, it's easy to obey God when it aligns with your will. It's easy to obey God when his plan aligns with your plan. But what happens when the wall in front of you seems insurmountable and yet God tells you to keep on walking? That is the question that we have to answer because God will bring that type of obstacle in your life. I don't know if it's already happened. I don't know if it's happening today or I don't know if it's going to happen later, but it will happen soon. What if it goes against every grain of your body to continue in this one direction and yet God says, keep on going, stay faithful to me and I will bring you victory. You know, one of the things that we teach in this church from the Bible is, is not to marry someone who, is, who doesn't have the same identity in Christ as you do. To not be unevenly yoked spiritually. And so let's say that you're dating a man and you know what, he's, he's everything that you don't want in a guy, mm, right? He treats you so badly, right? He doesn't have a job. He lives with his parents. He's out of shape and he's ugly, right? And, and on top of that, let's say, like, he's, he's not a Christian. I, I don't think that any of these ladies here, these really faithful women of God are going to have to, like, put on sackcloth and, like, wonder and be like, God, is this the right guy for me? What do I have to do? You know, no one has to do that. Of course, if it's not right and God says it's not right and you don't think it's right, then it's easy to move forward in that. Of course. Because it aligns with your will. It's easy to be obedient when it aligns with your plans. But here's the thing. What if you meet him, mm, right? Him, he, him who, he who treats you so well, right? Who, who has a great job. He has a, a great family. He's tall. He's good looking. And, and he like does the thing where he like treats the waiter like his friend. And like he like treats like older people with like so much respect. And like you just, oh, I, I, you love it, right? Like you, what, if, what if you meet him? But there's just one thing. He's just not a Christian. You see, in that moment, church, are you willing to obey God? That even if it goes against what your parents are telling you, even if it goes against what your friends are saying, that even if it goes against your own judgment, are you willing to obey God? Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Look, are you willing to give tithes and offering when you're saving for a house simply because you desire to obey God's word? Are you willing to still come out to church and be with community even when you're tired simply because you desire to obey God's word? Are you willing to do these things not because they make sense in your mind, but simply because you desire to obey God more than anything else? See, God, he purposely sends the Israelites around the city 12 times to show them that victory, it will come, but it comes at a cost. Will you take up your cross? Will you deny yourself? And will you follow after me? 
And I know, church, that this is difficult, but here's the thing. As you obey God unconditionally, God will use your life as a witness to show his power. For all 12 laps, what we see is that the opposition were on the walls watching the Israelites. The Israelites, they didn't say a word, didn't make a comment, but you better believe that the soldiers of Jericho began to waver simply because they saw a simple act of obedience from the Israelites. Look, you acting in obedience is not necessarily just for you. It's for the people around you. It's for your enemies. It's for your friends. It's for everybody around you who will see your act of obedience, see God's power within your life. And because of that, their lives will be transformed because of what God has done through you. If you obey God in difficult times, man, God, he will use your life as a witness to many. And you see, for God to bring victory, we, what we see is that the first lesson is, to, is that obedience requires commitment. And yet the second lesson is that obedience requires silence. The Lord says to Joshua, march around the city, but keep your mouth shut, right? So Joshua, he goes to the people and tells them those words in verse 10. He says, you shall not shout you shall not make your voice heard. Only on the day I tell you to shout, then you shall shout. See, what God was teaching the Israelites was that their enemy was not just the walls in front of them. It was the words that were coming out of them. He was teaching them a simple lesson. Tame your tongue. Tame your tongue. I want you to remember who these people were. I want you to remember who these Israelites were, that they were the direct descendants of the Israelites who were walking around for 40 years in the wilderness. And what we know about these people is very simple, that they were called stiff-necked, that they were called stubborn, that they grumbled and complained at every step of the way, who was never thankful, who was never hopeful. That even when miracle after miracle came down in their life, when they faced any type of opposition or obstacle, immediately they began to gossip, immediately they began to complain and grumble. And it was to the point where God was so angry at them that he was about to strike them all down until Moses intervened and said, please don't. These are these same people. And so God knew this about them. He knew their habits. He knew that their tongue was wild. And you see, for them, he knew that immediately as they began to walk, immediately as they began to see the walls, immediately as they began to see the opposition, the first thing out of their mouth would have been to complain. It would have been to be negative. It would have been to begin gossiping to other people. And so the lesson God is teaching the Israelites is that, look, you don't, if, if you don't have anything good to say, then look, don't say anything at all. You complaining about your life or gossiping about someone else only hurts yourself. It only hurts that other person, and it divides the church. So keep your mouth shut. If you feel like complaining, do not post it on social media. If you feel like complaining, then go home. Close the door and just complain to yourself. No one needs to hear that, right? Just don't say that. There's a reason why diaries and journals exist, right? Keep it to yourself. 
You see, God's lesson on silence is, is further reiterated in James 3, where it says, your tongue, it may be small, but if you do not tame it, it will corrupt your entire body, and it will set you aflame. 1 Thessalonians says, look, you are able to rejoice always. You are able to pray continuously. You are able to give thanks in all circumstances. You are able to do those things. So do them. Silence is important. Giving thanks is important. And man, again and again, the Bible is so, it reiterates that again and again, church. Be thankful in all circumstances. You are able to rejoice always. You are able to be careful of the words that come out of your mouth. That if you cannot control your tongue, if you know that you say negative things, that if things, if you complain all the time, then the best thing that you can do is to be silent. You see, what's interesting is that even though God commands the Israelites to not say a word, God never commands anything to the city of Jericho. So, I mean, imagine this. Hundreds of thousands of people, they're marching around a city in silence. But right above them are soldiers and citizens taunting and ridiculing and making fun of them. You see, God is teaching us that when there is opposition around us, that when people are taunting making fun of you, saying things to your face. One of the greatest indicators of your spiritual maturity is not in what you say, it's in what you don't say. Sometimes, sometimes the right thing to do and the godly thing to do is to stay silent and keep walking. Why? Because you are so sure of the promises of God in your life. You don't need to convince the other person. You don't need to convince the enemy. You don't need to convince the opposition. You know what God has said to you. So stay faithful in that and walk. Keep walking. There's nothing else. Just walk straight. Walk before you. Walk in the promises that God has placed in your life. And he will bring victory. Don't turn to the left. Don't turn to the right. But look upon what God has said to you and walk straight. Church. Look, there may be obstacles in your life today that seem impenetrable and maybe unmovable. But as Christians, man, we believe that God is more powerful and great enough to overcome them. Look, I want to remind you of a time when the Israelites, they were looking at the Red Sea in hopeless despair. They were looking upon this huge obstacle in front of them. They knew that the enemy was coming up behind them, and they were hopeless. They were in despair, and yet Moses tells them in Exodus 14, do not be afraid. Stay strong. Be courageous, because God will fulfill his promises. And so the Lord will fight for you. So all you need to do is stand still. Church, let me tell you why you can have courage. Because, you see, when God was telling the Israelites to walk around the city, militarily, it doesn't make sense. Because what we know is that if you have the high ground, you have the advantage. That if you have the high ground, the probability of you winning is exponentially greater. 
And yet the reason why they were still able to have courage is because Joshua says, look, take the Ark of the Covenant with you and walk around the city because I want you to know that even if they have the advantage, you have the presence of God. That even if they have the advantage, guess what? You have God with you. And if God is fighting for you, then who can be against you? And so don't worry. Don't fret. You're not going to be defeated. God has kept his promises from before. He has kept his promises today. And he will keep his promises to you in the future. And so no matter how great the walls are, no matter how terrible the opposition is, no matter what obstacle you're facing in your life, don't worry because God's presence is going to be with you. There is no sin that Jesus has not broken on the cross. There is no chain that is not broken when Jesus died for us. And if that is the case, and if you truly believe that with all of your heart and with all of your soul, then why are you worried now? Of course he will come through. Of course he will fulfill his promises. Of course he will be with you to the very end. Church, no matter what thing, no matter what obstacle you're facing, no matter what chain is holding you down, God is able and willing to break them from you. The question is, are you willing to walk obediently with the Lord? Amen? All right, let's pray.